During your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 16, we're winding down. There's this lesson and yet one more that we can derive from this chapter on always abounding. Always abounding. 1 Corinthians 16. Where are we in this series? We've talked about in this chapter always abounding in stewardship. That's giving our resources to the Lord through His local church, showing hospitality, sharing our resources with people in our homes, and then sharing the greatest resource of all, the gospel. And we saw that in in, uh, the first four verses of this chapter. Then we talked about always abounding in sharing community. And we we took three weeks talking about greeting one another with a holy kiss. How to relevantly greet one another. And I hope that's encouraged you to be less inward focused and more outward focused when you are here. And we talked too, we had our grow group start, and in them we talked about growing together through biblical community. And that kind of took us from 5 through uh, 12 as well as 19 through 24. But now we're in the kind of the third topic of, of always abounding, and we're talking about always abounding and serving. And we started that by talking about honoring those who are always abounding. How to honor those that are always abounding. And then last week we talked about enduring. Enduring in uh, by kneeling down and by manning up. And those verses were 13 uh, through 18, especially 13 through 16. Well, today I want to talk about verses 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18. And I want to talk about always abounding in refreshing the hearts of God's sent ones. Because here's where we are in our ministry year. This week, first week of October, here we are, and, and, and I have at the top of your notes this statement, which I think is a great one for us to think through on, a, on, a, on a, not only an annual basis, but a regular basis, and it's this. Every year, every year, we get to celebrate how our local serving should impact global sending. Every year we get to celebrate how our local serving should impact global sending. That's what our world outreach is really about. In fact, if you stop and think about our world outreach celebration, it brings together all three of these areas that we've been trying to abound in, what we've been learning about. Think about this. Uh, Abounding in stewardship, giving, Uh, A large part of what we need to recommit to this year is faith promise giving, showing hospitality. That's what we're doing in bringing these missionary guests in. We are showing them hospitality. The dessert fellowships each night, every time we're here that they're here, it's an opportunity to abound in hospitality. And then sharing the gospel right here and around the world. That's the one of the ultimate purposes of why we're doing this. We want to hear how they're doing that. We want to be encouraged in doing that here. So abounding in stewardship is a large part of world outreach celebration. And then abounding in shared community. Uh, greeting one another. Man, the, one of the most basic things you can do... And we're going to see their faces again on this screen. Their faces are in the auditorium this Sunday and the rest of the week. Is to walk up to them and greet them with a holy kiss in a relevant way that transcends the culture, that transforms cultural greetings. And and just the most simple thing you can do is every time you're you're in the same building, the same room as these missionaries, is to walk up and say, "Hi, how you doing? How's the week going?" 
Hey, good to see you again here. Hey, I was excited about this or that. And, and then building community through the one another's. That's why we have the breakouts each year. We have these breakouts in, in two classrooms, smaller setting, so that we can have a little more community. That's why we have the dessert fellowships on Wednesday and Friday. That is very important. That's not time for you to bug out. That's time for you to come down here and have shared community with these missionaries. Uh, it's why we have the Saturday breakfast and the ladies' luncheon. That, again, is shared community where they share their hearts and we can sit very informally around the, a meal and share our, our fellowship in Christ. And then abounding and serving. That's a part of world outreach too. Abounding and serving by honoring these great servants, honoring these men and women who are always abounding in serving the Lord. That's, that's what we're here to do. We're, we're here to honor them, but also to help them endure and persevere in serving. I'm telling you, I cannot say to you enough, and you will never know unless you get personally involved with these people. Unless you do all that we're going to talk about today. If you get personally involved, you'll learn how much our love and our welcoming here help them to persevere. And as you hear how they persevere, that helps you persevere. And then, of course, just serving. Serving through all the different ways that we serve them. But one of the things, one of the major things that the World Outreach Celebration is about each year is refreshing the hearts of God's sent ones. Refreshing the hearts of God's sent ones. And that is exactly, that is exactly what verses 17 and 18 are about in this chapter. You know, the beauty of it is, you don't have to come to the Bible and say, well, it's missions time, so now i got to figure out how to derive missions out of the Bible. No! The missions is in every, it's interwoven in every verse of the Bible. And especially in this chapter, this is a missions chapter, though you probably have never heard a missions lesson taught from this chapter. And yet, there it is. In verses 1 through 4, you basically have faith promise giving. People are giving to meet the cross-cultural needs of one people group to another people group. It's right there, verses 1 through 4. In verses 5 through 7, you have a church receiving and welcoming in a church planning missionary like we're going to do here in a couple of weeks. And then in verses 17 through 18 that we're going to look at today, we have people sending people to supply what's lacking to a church planning missionary in order to refresh his heart. So let's look at the two verses and let's see what they say. 1 Corinthians 16, 17 through 18. I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have supplied what was lacking on your part. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge such men. In a nutshell, that is our world outreach celebration. Notice it says in your notes, those who always abound in serving the Lord in His local church have the privilege, the joy, the responsibility to refresh the hearts of God's sent ones. So what I've seen in this, these two verses, I want to give you four reminders this morning. Four reminders about refreshing the hearts of God's sent ones. For some of you, you know these and they're reminders. For others of you, you don't know them and, and so they're new principles for you to apply. But let's take, I see in just these two verses, 
four powerful, practical reminders to us. And it's good to be reminded why we should be coming to world outreach and why we have a world outreach. And here it is. Number one, the first reminder is this. Missions is meant to be relational. Missions is meant to be relational. And I hope for many of you, that's like a no-brainer. You've been properly equipped. You have embraced this principle. You're like, well, duh, everybody knows that. But the reality is everybody doesn't know that. And everybody doesn't necessarily do, do missions or does missions in a relational way. But when you look at verse 17, he says, I rejoice over the coming. What is Paul rejoicing over? Well, in the New American Standard, it says the coming. In some of your translations, it says the arrival. And however you translate it, the meaning is the same. A personal face-to-face interaction with Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. They are probably in the room as he, uh, as he dictates this uh, to his aminus. And they're there. And he's saying, look, they're in this room, and I am rejoicing over that. Now, the word for coming there is the Greek word perusia, which is the word, the technical term that's always used for Jesus' second coming. And what is Jesus' second coming? It's bodily. It's personal. It's, he's going to be here. He's going to arrive. It's His presence with us. And so most likely what Paul's focusing on in this verse is that he's continuing, and, and the verb is, he's continually rejoicing over the fact that these men are present in person with Him. Now, why is Paul rejoicing over their arrival? Because they're supplying what is lacking on the part of the church at Corinth. So what it was lacking? What was missing? Well, here's the simple answer. You know what was missing? The Corinthians. He was in Ephesus. They're in Corinth. He's missing them. What is lacking is fellowship with them. And through the terrific trio of these three men, they are supplying what is lacking. Now, Definitely, they brought resources. I mean, I'm sure part of what was lacking was financial resources. I do not doubt that. But, more importantly, what these men brought was relationships. They brought love with skin on it to him. And this is seen in several of the translations that do a little bit of paraphrasing by supplying that, by telling us what exactly was lacking. In the ESV, he says, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have made up for your absence. They have made up for your absence. The NLT says, they have been providing the help you weren't here to give. But perhaps the most uh, accurate and helpful translation is the New English translation, which says this, the Net Bible, because they have supplied the fellowship with you that I lacked. The fellowship, which involves resources, but the center, the centerpiece of that is relationship. The relational element runs straight through the entire New Testament. Listen to what uh, Paul says Later in 2 Corinthians, listen to this. 
And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need. And in everything, I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. What's he saying? He's saying, hey... When I was with you planning the church in Corinth, I didn't burden you with expenses. Why? Because the church from Macedonia sent people who supplied what was lacking in my resources. Resources, but listen to this, resources that were supplied in the context of relationships. You say, well, yeah, that's how it had to be. They had to send someone because they didn't have all of our technology. But I think it's more than that. They wanted to provide financial resources in the context of relationship. Listen to this in Philippians 2.30. This is a little bit more than sending a check. Listen to Philippians 2.30. Paul says this, Because Epaphroditus came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Now here they are, once again. The Macedonians, that's where Philippi, uh, the city of Philippi was. The Philippians are, once again, they're not just sending resources, they're sending relationships. They're sending Epaphroditus, who is so willing to meet his needs, so relationally connected to Christ and to Christ-sent ones, that he's willing to risk his life to the point of death. Wow, that's a pretty close relationship, isn't it? How many of our missionaries... Would you risk your life to get them what they need? Now, I'm not saying that to put you on a guilt trip. I just read Scripture. That's what, ha- that's what was going on in Scripture. You know, that's something I have to ask myself. That's something you have to ask ourselves. You know, we get so big in our culture, but, oh, i got to make all these sacrifices. Epaphroditus was willing to die so that the Philippian church would get to Paul what he needed relationally, and in resources. Now, many times, many times Paul would write to a church that he planted. I mean, here's a guy that's writing scripture. And many times he'll write to him and say, you know what, I have more things to say, but I want to say them what? Face to face. Paul says that numerous times to his churches. I have more to say to you, but there's just some things that have to be said face to face. And that's why missions is meant to be relational. So what do we learn from this? Well, we learn missions is meant to be relational. How could it be any other way? Stop and think about it. Who's the greatest missionary of all time? Yeah, we we typically think humanly Paul, but who's the greater missionary? Jesus is the greatest missionary. He left one culture to cross another culture filled with unreached, unengaged people, usans. He was the greatest missionary. Now, when that happened, the father didn't send an angel with a message. He sent his only beloved son to become a human, to become one of us, and to live in relationship with us. When Jesus said to the father, yes, I'll go and seek and save to the lost, he didn't stay up there in heaven and shout down, turn or burn, this is Jesus, trust me or else. 
No, he humbled himself and became a servant and came in the likeness of man. Why? So that he could be in relationship with us. And that's as significant now that he's risen because he rose in a body as we studied in 1 Corinthians 15. He still has that body. And we already said the perusia, he's going to come presently bodily. Why? Because we in Jesus, listen to this. In Jesus, we have a Redeemer who relates to us in person. Now, with the explosion of technology and the growth of a global economy, it becomes more and more of a temptation to reduce missions to a business transaction. You with me? In other words, it's so easy to reduce missions to the writing of a check. Or in our day and age, even easier an online donation with the click of a mouse, or even easier and less personal, an automated deposit that you don't even have to think about. Now, none of those things are wrong, and we want to utilize them and leverage them for the kingdom. But the point is, it increasingly, increasingly makes it impersonal if we allow it to. Does that make sense? It's not the technology that's the problem. It's how we utilize it and think about it. Missions can't be reduced to just the sending of a text or interaction through Skype. Now, I know you know some of you may be grandparents. You may be uh, parents of college students. Skype's a great thing. How many of you use Skype? All right, there is a great thing. Yeah, and the, when the Nisley folks are in the, in the Philippines, Skype's a great thing. Now, if you had to choose between Skype and them, well, not living in your home, that might be a hard choice, but Skype and them being in Kansas City, which would you choose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, listen, you know, I just saw someone said, uh, there's not an app for your lap. Okay, there's not an app for your lap. Shut off the digital uh, stuff and get your child in your lap and read to them. Well, you know what? There's not an app to replace relational interaction with these missionaries. It's great to have this technology. It's great to have these videos. It's, I mean, that's all wonderful. We're going to leverage all that stuff for the gospel. But, you know, the best thing is to see Justin in person. Amen? Well, you don't know that yet because you haven't met him, but it will be. It'll be all his dynamic. I mean, he he doesn't look too dynamic this morning in that video, but he's a dynamic guy. Well, as the economy gets worse and as hearts grow colder to the gospel and missions, it's taking longer and longer for missionaries to raise support. These men and women go around on deputation, and what used to take a year has started to take a year and a half. And what used to take two years is on average taking three years. That's three years with all your possessions being sold. That's three years without a home. That's three years with your kids in a car. And many of them have young kids. That's three years. And so a lot of uh, good-hearted missionary uh, pastors have gotten together and they, they say, you know, we need to shorten this process. But their answer to shortening the process is let's just have one pastor recommend these people, a pastor we can trust, and let's just take these guys on sight unseen. We don't need to see them. And listen, my heart is sympathetic to that. I understand because I want their time shortened. I want their cost lessened. Because every year they're on the road, that's more money that doesn't go to getting them on the field. But because I have deep-rooted convictions that missions is meant to be relational, I say, no, no, we can't go to that extent. At least for our church, we're not going to support missionaries 
in the majority, I'm not saying there's not exceptions. I'm not saying that we don't adapt and grow. I'm just saying I will have to be really convinced to start making missions non-relational. Amen? We want to meet these people. We want to get to know these people. They need to get to know us. They need to know who we are. If, and I don't know this is for a fact, but if, if, if the Lugers singled us out among many, and I'm sure there were more than us, but if he's especially said, hey, we've got to get Glenwood praying, it's because he has a relationship with us and he knows you're a praying church. Does that make sense? That doesn't come from a check. That doesn't happen. What you get is a blast, you know, to everyone. All my churches pray for me. Versus, hey, we got to get these specific ones mobilized. Why? Because we have a relationship with them. One of the main reasons that we still have a five-day world outreach celebration is for this very reason. Missions should be relational. You can't get it done in a short amount of time. So we have five days. That goes against the trend. That goes against our culture. That goes against our busy cultures. I get that. But you know what? Here's why we do it. Missions is relational. And in those five days... You have multiple repeat. You say, oh, I can pick one of the five days and I get my relationships done. No, that's not the idea. It's repeated, repeated interaction over the course of five days that builds the relationship. So both we as a church and our missionaries should say at the end of these five days, we should be able to say what Paul said in this passage. I am continually rejoicing over the fact that these men and women have been here present with us. And they should be saying, I am so rejoicing in the fact that we have been present with these people of Glenwood. Amen? Okay, so let's take a look now at who is coming so that we can be relational. So let's take a look at that. Pull out your insert in your bulletin. Pull out your insert in your bulletin, and let's take a look at this. All right, so the first people we have is long-term partners, Tom and Gail Gritz who are ministering in Wolverhampton, England, which is in the Midlands. It's north of London, right in the center of England, right in the heart of rich church history uh, country of that area. We have a long-term relationship with this couple that it was made more personal by taking a team of you in 1998, back in the dark ages. We went to England and got to know these people relationally. And, and personally, and it was wonderful. And we equipped them with one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one discipleship that not only bore fruit, but is still bearing fruit. They are probably one of the churches, more than any other that we impacted and equipped, that took that to heart, embedded it in their, in their ministry, and continue to this day. Secondly, we've got, uh, uh, you have on their M&A for security reasons, not all of their names are going to be mentioned or where they're ministering. So you can look at that and uh, look up here and see that. But for this recording, I'm not going to name names. But this dedicated couple is doing missions in a very hard place where there are very few Christians and are raising two daughters right in the midst of that culture as well. And not, uh, uh, not you know, well, they are blinking an eye at it. They have the same struggles. They have the same questions. They have the same concerns. Now, a very personal relationship with our church uh, has been enhanced 
They listen to your t- the teaching you get in that class. They listen via podcast to the same teaching that you get right here in this class. And it has been an encouragement to them. I didn't tell them to do that, but he contacts me and says, Hey, I was listening to this. When are you going to get the next <laughs> lesson up there? And, uh, uh, you know, hey, this was really good. I've got a question about this. Hey, that's, that's so cool. You know, that's really cool. That's using technology, but it's because we have a relationship. Um. Along with helping this couple network, we were able to connect them with help when they needed it most. This partnership has been characterized by humility, confession, encouragement, healing, and unconditional love. And class, that's things that money can't buy. Those are things that you can't send digitally. Those are things that are built on and based on relationship face-to-face. This next couple uh, is uh, ministering in East Asia, another young, dedicated couple with two young children trying to reach unreached people groups in this East Asian country. A new partnership. This is a newer partnership that looks to be a personal one with our church. We're hoping to help them break into unreached people groups that have only recently been unengaged. That means no one, no church, no missionary, no no outreach to them. Well, they're not unengaged anymore, but what remains to be done is translate the Bible. And they are working with C Company. They are working with Faith Comes by Hearing. And we want, wouldn't it be great to adopt another translation to get done, just like we did with the Makande? Um, so... Those are good things. And they were, listen, and this couple, they were blown away relationally by our church at our world outreach the first time they came because you, you, you implemented the principles that we're talking about here. And they just came back for the double time. They sat in this room just a few weeks ago and went through the double time train. Why is that? Because of a relationship that we have built with them. Now, this family is our Makande translators. Okay. Our Makande translators. Uh, I'm excited about this. Uh, now you're talking about making it personal. Well, okay, now we, why are we going to move heaven and earth for these guys to be here? Why are we doing that? Well, the reason we're doing that is because missions is meant to be relational. I mean, he's translating. You know, we, we raised money. Isn't the job done? We don't need them to be here. Why do we need them to be here? Because we, missions is meant to be relational. And uh, what a great opportunity. Uh, we got them for two days. They're not going to be here for the whole time. Uh, he works with, uh, they work with Faith Comes by Hearing as well to get the Bible and audio to the Makande people. And so he and Scott Nutter will be doing the World Changer Seminar on Thursday night. And Stephen will be giving the Vision Challenge on Friday night as well as they're both going to be available for the Saturday men's and ladies breakfast and luncheon. Relationship time. Now listen, when I asked if he needed financial support, here was Stephen's sincere and humble reply. And I assume it's sincere and humble. We'll find out as we build a relationship with him. I'm just telling you, that's the real world. You can say whatever you want over the phone, but is this who you are? Well, we'll figure it out, you know, in the week as you're here or in the two days that you're here. Here's what he said. He said, Chris, what we need to raise more than money is prayer support. I believe the opposition that we have faced in doing this work is due to a lack of prayer. Isn't that wonderful? I want to meet a guy like that. I want to relate to him. I want to get to know him. And then Mark Buxton, 
married to uh, uh, privileged to marry into the lion family. You know, I you know not at lions. Not everybody gets to do that. Well, actually, there's many opportunities because there's many kids. But uh, he got a hold of the pretty. You know, marrying a lion's boy is not as good as marrying a lion's girl. I can guarantee you that. And so he got a hold of Jessica there, and there's their wonderful family. Mark's gonna just be here by himself. But when Bruce and I met with Mark in person, ate dinner with him again, face to face. We were so impressed with this man. Uh, you know, it's not because he's related to lions, and if anything, that's a detriment. And I don't mean that negatively. I really don't. It just means, okay, we already got that covered. We got the Nisleys. We don't need more of that. But when you meet somebody in person, and, and I just he has some great things to, to, to provide. He does a ministry of magic to uh, promote the gospel, which you can imagine kids would love. Uh, and then Justin, we were introduced to him today, a single man, son of the roads. And, you know, he, being a single you know, uh, man, you know, if, if there's two of the most difficult jobs in ministry, it's being a single woman or single or single man in trying to get churches to support you. And that just doesn't make sense because the Lord Jesus Christ was supported by single women uh, all throughout his ministry. And... Paul himself said singleness was far better in relation to ministry, but we don't always think the Bible, do we? And so here's a single man uh, who you will enjoy getting to know. And then finally, Scott Nutter. He represents this ministry I've mentioned many times, Faith Comes by Hearing. And I've been privileged to be a part of a growing missions network here in Kansas City. And through that, got to meet the president of this company and what they're doing uh, in getting faith comes by hearing, getting the audio and uh, out to people that have never heard. And Scott Hill or uh, uh, Stephen Hill uh, partnering with them as well. And so it's exciting. He's going to do the World Changer Seminar and tell us all about what Faith Comes by Hearing is doing, about audio translation, getting it out to oral learners, and how we can all be a part of that. Very exciting stuff that overlaps with a lot of what we're already doing. Is that not cool? You say, yeah, that's cool. Okay. Now, what makes this relational? Is them coming here, but guess what? What else makes it relational? You being here. It doesn't get relational if you're not here. I can look around here and tell you story after story of people right here in this class who have been motivated to get involved with missions due to making it relational. Terry, I think of you. First time you went to South Dakota, came back. I can still hear your the very words of you saying, this makes it real, this makes it personal. It might have been after England. Actually, I think it was after England. I, my memory is so great. Uh, that It was after England, but the, the gist was, I pray now better for them. I see them as people. I'll never forget that. I remember Rick. Uh, you were forever impacted by your first world outreach, and, and that ended up him going to a, a short-term missions campaign. Aaron Wayne went on a Mac this summer for one main reason, because he went to world outreach last year and was relationally impacted. The Polos are great. Uh, promoters of World Outreach. Why? Because when you came, you got saw that, and it was personal, and it was relational. The stories go on and on. So what does God have for you and your family at this World Outreach? Well, number one, commit to coming every night humanly possible. Just come every night. Every night is a relational opportunity. Number two, come early if you can. Now, that's hard, night after night. I get that. But stay for the dessert fellowship, because that's where you can engage missionaries relationally. Don't miss the men's breakfast. Don't miss the ladies' luncheon on Saturday. Bring your sons. Bring your daughters. Let them be in relationally impacted. But most of all, 
ask questions of these people. When you engage them, ask them questions about their dreams, their struggles, their hurts. Listen to them. Love them. Relate to them. And every year, we prime the pump for this relational connection. We prime the pump by our Tuesday night welcome dinner with our staff and our missions commission. And what that does is we try to set the tone. We try to open the door to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm guaranteeing you, every year I'm like, okay, how can I make this new? How can I make this fresh? Because we, I saying it, our people hearing it, it's the same thing year after year. But every year we have new people. And every year... Going through that, that, uh, that process of opening our lives and saying, you know what? You can be yourself here. And they hear it, they gravitate to it, but they're not sure it's real. And you know when it becomes real? Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, when you make it real by relating to them. So the first reminder we get from these verses is missions to be re- meant to be relational. The second reminder is this. Missions is meant to be reciprocal. Reciprocal. Now, reciprocal means it goes both ways. It means give and take. It means it's mutual ministry. And in verse 18, we see that. Look at verse 18. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Now, did you catch the mutual ministry? That's really, you know, you, you, okay, I get it. You, you sent the terrific trio and they refreshed Paul's heart. But he's saying, no, they did not, they not only refreshed my heart, but they refreshed your hearts back in Corinth. Now, yeah, you know, Kirk is like thinking through that. Now, wait a minute, how did that happen? It's reciprocal. It's mutual. They were both refreshed. I see two important reminders in that verse, particularly in that phrase, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Number one, global missions is simply local ministry done in a different place or with a different people group. Global missions is simply local ministry done in a different place or with different people group. Listen, listen, listen. Getting on an airplane or crossing the ocean does not make you a superhero or a dedicated servant of God, right? Okay, because you know what happens when you get on a plane and go to another country? Guess who's there? You. The same you that got on the plane here. And guess what you're going to do in that other country? The same things that you're doing here. And guess what you're not going to do there? The same things that you're not doing here. Why? Because when you get off the plane, who's there, Jody? You! It's you! It's still you! And something didn't happen in that plane. Now, there's all sorts of bad things about airplane air. It can do all sorts of things to you, but one thing I've never had airplane air do to me, make me a more dedicated servant to God. Made me pray more. God, don't let me get sick. It's easy to go on a short-term missions campaign and get emotionally charged up and see God do great things somewhere else. But then you have to get back on that plane and come home. Or in our case, you had to get back on that ferry across that that ocean, then it's going to be revealed just how much the Lord worked in your hearts. Are we steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord here at home after we get back? Listen, the terrific trio of these three guys 
did for Paul in Ephesus the same thing they did in their own local church family back home. They were devoted to the ministry of the saints. It didn't matter what geography it was. It didn't matter what their address was. They did the same thing wherever they were at. And here's the second principle. Serving God's sent ones, which is just another way of calling them missionaries, but it reminds us they're God's sent ones. Serving them will refresh their heart and ours at the same time. Serving God's sent ones will refresh their heart and ours. This is what I mean by reciprocal. It's give and take. It's back and forth. It's one another. We are dedicated to refreshing their hearts, but they end up refreshing our hearts in the process. Amen? Part of what Paul is saying here is this. You sent the terrific trio to refresh my spirit, and in doing so, they have refreshed your spirit, knowing that my spirit has been refreshed. Do I need to diagram that one for you? It's all about reciprocal ministry. The whole point is, as I refresh you... And I see you refresh, that refreshes me, and then I want to refresh you some more because as I see you more refreshed, I get more refreshed, and as you're refreshed, you start refreshing me, and pretty soon we're all refreshed. Sounds like a renews it commercial. Renew it. I don't know, whatever that... What is it? Renews it. There you go. Now, if you don't get what I'm saying, then turn to Romans 1.8. Turn to Romans 1.8. Because Paul just spells it out in Romans 1.8. Here's Paul writing to the church at Rome. It's a missionary prayer letter. It's a missionary theological treatise. It's a, it's, a, it's a letter from a missionary to a church that he's about to visit in order to gain support so he can go on to unreached areas in Spain. And here's how he starts the letter. Look at Romans 1.8. Here's his intent on coming to them. Romans 1.8. Are you there? First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, who I serve in my spirit, see, it's all about the heart. In preaching of the gospel of His Son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers making request. And here's my number one request. If perhaps, now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in what? Coming to you. There's the, there's the phrase. I want to be there in person. For I long to see you. There's the relational element. So that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. I'm coming to minister to you. But notice, he says, that is, wait a minute, I don't want you, I don't want you to think ministry is a one-way street. It's a two-way street. That I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Isn't that beautiful? He starts out with a one-way street and then he says, whoa, wait a minute, don't get the wrong idea. This is a two-way street. This is a two-way street. I'm coming to minister to you, but I want to be ministered to by you. Okay? They're coming to be refreshed. Or they're coming, these missionaries are coming to refresh our hearts. Believe me, that's what they want to do. But we're going to refresh their hearts. And we're going to have this game to see who refreshes who the most. And in the process, we're all going to be refreshed. Missions is meant to be reciprocal. I wish I had $100. I'd be a millionaire if I had $100 for every person who's ever gone on a short-term missions campaign and came back and said these words. 
We went to minister to them, but they are the ones, you can finish it, who minister to us. I wish I had $100 for every missionary who's come to our church during world outreach and walked away saying these words. This was such a refreshing time. We were able to be ourselves, and you have a unique way of making us feel at home and loved in every way. I'd be a rich man. Now, when you come to this year's world outreach, come with the attitude that I'm coming to connect relationally and seek to serve these servants to the best of my ability, and I promise you, you will come away ministered to. You will come away tired but refreshed in your hearts. And that's the best tiredness of all, isn't it? We all get tired at work, but not all come back from work refreshed in our spirits, right? You will do that if you come with that intent. Have you signed up to serve yet? Missions is meant to be reciprocal. But if you stay home or choose not to serve, then you'll miss out on not only being a blessing, but also in being blessed. And you'll miss out, most importantly, on being refreshed. Now, here's number three. Missions is meant to be refreshing. Missions is meant to be refreshing. The word refresh here is an interesting word. It connects with the whole context of this chapter. It means to cause someone to gain relief from toil. What is ministry? Hard work. What do you need in the midst of ministry? The refreshment, the relief, and the rest from your labors. Now, let me be very clear, very clear, that the ultimate source and the only reliable source of this kind of refreshment is the Lord Jesus Christ. Using the same word Jesus says to us today in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you... I will give you rest. But our sovereign God uses means. And most of the time, the majority of the time, the means He's going to use to give you rest is other believers. Okay? Because here's what he says in Philemon. Philemon. Philemon had a reputation for always abounding and refreshing the hearts of the saints. And here's what Paul says about Philemon. In that little book of Philemon, in verse 4, he says this, I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers. Seems like Paul prays for people a lot. And he thanks God for people in <laughs> prayers a lot. And then he makes specific requests. And here he is. Here's why I thank God. Because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have towards the Lord and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. What he's saying is the only place that refreshment comes, the only place that fellowship comes, it's the overflow of your relationship with Christ. But then he says this, For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Here's what he's saying again. I get refreshed knowing that you're refreshing the saints. And let me tell you, if you want to bless your pastors in this church, we get refreshed when we see you refreshing the hearts of others and vice versa. Now, abounding and refreshing, Dana, is not always easy, right? We've learned that. Abounding is not always easy. And what Philemon is going to be asked to do in this letter to refresh Paul's heart and to refresh the heart of a new believer is to forgive that new believer for sinning against him and stealing from him. In fact, Paul's going to ask him, why don't you just cancel that debt that he owes you? 
So what I'm trying to say is this. Hey, coming and serving, it's costly. It's going to cost you money and time. It's going to cost you effort. But it will be costly. So, but do it anyway because you will be refreshed. Now, missions is meant to be refreshing. Why? So, so what's the point here? Well, the point is this. If the Apostle Paul needed refreshing, don't you think we all do? Okay? Here, here's what I want you to remember from this. Missionaries are not superheroes like in a comic book. We want to honor these missionaries. And sometimes we see, we read about mission biographies and we lift missionaries up so far and so high that we start thinking they're superheroes like in a comic book. I got thinking about it. Have you ever seen Superman sit down and eat a meal with someone? Does he ever do that in his comic books? Now, I haven't seen a Superman comic book for a long time, and we need Michael Shank down here to tell me the latest. But you never see Superman sitting down and eating a meal with other people. You never see Robin say to Batman in the Batmobile, can we pull over? I've got to go to the bathroom. You know, what, 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 am, I, what am I trying to say? Is missionaries are people too. They're human like us. They're broken like us. They're cracked pots like us that allow the grace of God to shine through their brokenness. They need refreshing. And guess what? Sometimes we need refreshing at World Outreach. Sometimes they need re- Not all of these people are coming at the top of their game. And not all of us right now in our lives are at the top of our game. But we come and we refresh one another. Well, there's a lot of illustration I give that. Let's end with this. When that refreshment comes, you begin to rejoice. And that's the fourth reminder. Missions is meant to be a cause for rejoicing. Look again at verse 17. I rejoice. I am continually rejoicing. John Piper's famous for saying missions exist because worship doesn't. What he means is this. The ultimate goal of missions is not reaching the lost. It's not letting them hear. It's not even seeing lost people saved. The ultimate goal of missions is a world filled with people glorifying God. And I think you could put it this way. Missions exist because joy in God's person and God's purposes don't exist. You know why Paul was continually rejoicing as a result of the terrific trio? It wasn't just because they arrived in person. It wasn't just because they supplied what he lacked relationally. It wasn't just because they had been used of God to refresh his hearts. Ultimately, Paul is rejoicing because he sees in the terrific trio and he sees in the church of Corinth that was all messed up with broken, sinful people, he still saw in them a passion and a desire to get the gospel to all people. And that's just, that's just cause for rejoicing. Amen? That's just cause for rejoicing. So, here's what I end with. You too can refresh the hearts of God's sent ones. Three easy things to leave with today. Number one, devote yourself to serving the saints including our missionary partners. Devote yourself to doing here what they do across the world. Number three, number two, dedicate your resources to refreshing their hearts and furthering their mission. That means pray now about faith promise. Did you keep it last year? Do you need to increase it? Do you need to be more consistent this coming year? 
What about your time? What about your treasure? What about your talents? And then finally, determine to refresh hearts of God's sent ones. Take this lesson, pray over it this week, and determine in your heart, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to refresh the hearts of God's sent ones. And you're going to leave refreshing, refreshed, and rejoicing in what God's doing around the world. Amen? Isn't that good? Yeah, that's just motivating to me. Let's pray. Father, we, we come, and the challenge has been laid out. We see it right there in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we know it's true because it's your word. Father, help us to take these principles and ask in our own lives, even in our ministries here at Glenwood, is my ministry relational? Is my ministry reciprocal? Is my ministry refreshing? And is my ministry a cause for rejoicing of God's people? Lord, I so look forward to this week. And yet I have my own challenges, my own struggles. I know people in this room have struggles. But in the midst of it, we can still always abound in serving and refreshing God's sent one. We need your grace. We need your rest. We need you to enable us to do what you have called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.